2: Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Deadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanflot and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT. But Oh! Pay Per View's premium live events We have interviews, roundtable discussions And a round of the week complete With a of quiz of course on WrestleCulture As I said though, joined by Hamflet and Sidgwick To review last night's episode of AEW Dynamite The go home show ahead of uh, AEW Revolution of course uh, I believe the show was in Somewhere in San Francisco Yes, the Cow Palace mm. Anyway uh, Sidgwick What did you think <laughs> of the go home show?
1: Uh, not much I continue to be disillusioned with AEW at large and uh, look I'll tell you one thing right people I think like it when I'm really passionate about this product when I can locate a detail that I want to latch onto that I want to luxuriate in that I want to just wade into and talk about what a brilliant thoughtful artistic thing that was And there's one on this show that I'm desperate to talk about because it was so awesome other than that and a great go-home promo from danielson mm. this was just lacking it, again it's like i don't want it to be bad i don't want it to be aggressively mid i don't want it to be boring so much so much of this show was um i want it to be great it isn't great i'm going to be honest about it don't like it don't listen
2: this is the thing, is, is when we say these things, we always, yes, granted, we always say we hold AWA uh, to a higher a, standard.
1: People go on like, I've shagged their mom.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's people who do seem to think that the checks that were flowing in in the uh, previous years have suddenly stopped, and now they're, they're from Papa Age. so suddenly Sid is like, right, I wrote an entire book of this passion project about this promotion, but I'm going to abandon all my principles. No, Sid... Wants it to be better. And also, it's not like as looking on Twitter this morning and, and reading other people's reviews of the show. It's not like they've knocked out of the park with this go-home show and we've gone in and gone, no, I'm going to nitpick on this, this, and this. Other people I saw were like,
3: And a couple of podcasts
4: will do that, by the way. You know where mm-hmm. to find them. Don't download them anymore. Extend our dominance at the top of the charts. <laughs> like, widen the gap between us and the ones you know we're talking about just below. Because they'll, the, they'll find those criticisms. We're not yeah. that podcast.
2: Like, what the... What do you make of it, Amfort?
4: Yeah, I'd sort of feel a little bit like some of this show will be, based on reading other people's takes, like, listen anyway, but it feels like it'd be a little bit redundant. The highlights spoke for themselves on this show because they were so far and away from the rest of it. There was, like, a couple of bright spots, and not just bright, AW bright, the brightest that there is in all of wrestling. And then there was the rest. There was just the rest of this. Like, I would, frankly, welcome 120,000 of Michael Sidrick's. Insightful words on. I'm passionate. I'm passionate on uh, <laughs> Wesley versus Nathan Frazier because there's just not enough to find on these dynamites of late. There really isn't. Um, the stand, like the stand of the pay per view build, I think it's okay now to classify this pay per view build as mid at best because the bang average and underwhelming dynamites have, like, kind of reached the same number of the really good ones at the start of the year. I was like it feels like the dividing line was when Brian Danielson moved from wrestling the gauntlet to getting into the heat with MJF. But the rest of the cards have been so flat that we're not even getting the great wrestling that were on those ones. It's it's just it's been a pretty
1: bland build. You know what I'm not looking forward to at all? Before we dive right into mm. it, I am not looking forward to Monday morning, late Sunday evening, the dickhead, positivity accounts. And you know who they are. Start naming and shaming them soon. One of them plagiarizing bloody you know oh, thumbnails. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone said that the build was mid. Look at the show. Look, look at the talent on the show. It's mm. going to be great. Mm-hmm. The art you should of say this about takeovers. Yeah, exactly. The art of booking is to hook you into a match, not merely advertising a match that is all but guaranteed to be great. The art of booking is to the art of booking is Dustin Rhodes versus Jake Hager. That is the art of booking. The Elite versus House of Black <laughs> pales in comparison as a story to Dustin Rhodes versus Jake Hager. That is a real illustration of how much the Pukin has fallen off and how much they're reliant upon match quality. And I'm not saying they don't tell stories. I'm not one of those idiots, no. but they're not telling particularly compelling ones at the moment. Yeah.
2: Let's get into it. Uh, show open with a title match. Shut the f*** up a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the All-Atlantic Championship, uh, Orange, Orange Cassidy versus Big Bill. Uh, we were all looking forward to this one and uh, told a really enjoyable story, I thought. Uh, Orange Cassidy just really winding up Big Bill to start with. Cat and mouse, some might describe it as, just constantly getting away from him, as you would if you're in, in a match against Big Bill. Um Almost gets into it with Stokely, who's there, of course, representing the firm. Um, but as he goes for that satellite DDT, as he just gets nailed by a even just a side suplex from Big Bill. Looks like it absolutely sucks to take. I mean, not like <laughs> please don't have me, Big Bill. Uh, hit him with a big boot on the floor. Um, Stokely sets up the table. Uh, orange Cassidy tries to counter with an orange punch off the ring steps. Just gets caught and slams straight through it as we go to a break. Uh, when we come back, Cassidy starts fighting back, but... Uh, Big Bill puts him in the, what's it called, Full Nelson? I was going to say Hurt Lock there. Yeah. That's what he put him in. Um, Cassidy the Bill <laughs> Nelson? Puts his hands in his pockets and rolls out to the floor. Out comes Dan Housen. Uh, he might come out when the break was on, actually. Um, goes to curse Hathaway. and the, That's how you stop a curse. Just Big Bill just goes, we're not going to be doing that. <laughs> Dan Housen's like, okay, fair enough. Um, Hathaway hit Dan Housen with his cast. Um, but Cassidy wipes out both of the baddies with a big old dive. Hits an orange punch to the knee, sends Big Bill into the steps, then when they get him back inside, it's all Cassidy. Stun Dog Millionaire, Satellite DDT, two orange punches, and a super top rope orange punch gets Orange Cassidy. There's a one, two, three.
1: In the song Jane by Jefferson Starship, <laughs> which uh, is licensed by AEW for Orange Cassidy's entrance, one of the lyrics is, Like a cat and a mouse, cat and a mouse, from door to door and a house to house. So... Ah. Fun little opener. Yeah. Really well crafted. I really liked the start because, again, Orange Cassidy is the... Orange Cassidy embodies that which people who criticize him love about wrestling because he just does great stuff in the space between moves. He tells stories. He doesn't dump himself on his head. He sells. He's everything they want wrestling to be, but they
2: are just too thick to realize it. He faced, when did he face Utah? Was that last week? Last week. week? So in the space of two weeks, he is, I mean, idiots say this. People who say he can only have one type of match, nope. Two completely different matches he's had on Dynamite yeah. in two consecutive weeks.
1: Yeah, and people who have this bizarre fetish for watching wrestling where there's no action, <laughs> they would love Orange Cassidy in the <laughs> first three minutes of this match. I loved as well how he wasn't, didn't do all of this with a mischievous grin on his face, the taunting at the start. It was obviously, again, another three moves, deep chess move. But he did look a little bit like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not even going to graze his legs to try and get him to to lull him into a move that I can then counter because I might just get my face kicked in here. Mm-hmm. And there was a big boot as well where he did get his face kicked <laughs> in. And it was awesome. Um, so he did look like a little bit apprehensive. It was all with the, I'm going to get him at some point. I'm going to make him lose his head at some point. But for now, survival mode Cassidy. He wasn't even playing the game here. And then... He got done. Sorry. Sorry. I was just. Yeah. It was yeah. It. Muscle memory. <laughs> and then he I did. Can't get I get the
2: fucking recap again. Sorry.
1: And then he did eventually get Cass directly where he wanted him. But Cass just plucked him out of thin air with a very satisfying crunch, put him to the table. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which he sold brilliantly throughout the night, in fact. And then he put over. Um, Big Bill at the finish with this really cool. I'm just going to do a desperate barrage of my signature stuff because I'm desperate. He's massive. It's all I can do. And I like the little variation. How you put there's two cheat codes you can do to protect someone in clean defeat And Casty because he's class and he's very clever. Put two of them together because that's how massive Big Bill is. He did the multiple finishes and the avalanche all mm. in one nice little pulsating bit of action. Lovely. Well-crafted opener here. Um, good start.
4: Orange Cassidy, All-Atlantic Champion, is my favourite caveat-free thing in AEW. I just love this for all that it is, with no qualifiers or ifs so, or buts. These matches, as you pointed out, I was thinking of the Utah match as a contrast. Yeah, Like, it's Orange Cassidy uh, gives you kind of any version of the character you want at this point, pending the situation he's in. It's like a situational heel babyface thing. That's not that like with Cassidy. It's like, is he trying or is he not? And at what point does he get willed? And I used to struggle a little bit with like seeing too much of the Orange Cassidy that actually had to fight versus not getting enough of the Cool Hand Luke one. Now he just pitches it just right. I'll never, ever get bored of how nonchalant he is about accepting challenges. I think it's one of the best bits in wrestling full stop. And I love this character so much that I feel like the only end destination for it is a world title match on TV against MJF. Like the man that accepts challenges before the challenge is even finished isu- like issuing it versus the guy that never wants to accept mm-hmm. one. Like, I think that's a lovely dynamite main event one week. Like, oh, we've kind of been here since the beginning. Like, I've allowed myself to sort of never consider you a challenger, and yet you've, oh, you've amassed 40 successful defenses of this title that was otherwise meaningless. I think he occupies a brilliant space on this show, and he makes me feel how I'm supposed to feel about the majority of this product. It's an, frankly, it's an escape from virtually every other storyline having one too many things. Like holes or gaps or issues in logic or whatever that has kind of plagued AEW. He should have been, Orange Cassidy should have been somebody that fell victim to the excesses when they had him right there as the main eventer mm. in waiting and then never really followed through. Instead, he's kind of like ironed out this own corner for himself and I, and I love his mm. sections of TV.
2: Watch this. From Orange to Juice. Because John Moxley was bleeding in a stairwell. Oh, I don't yeah, know if they, this was already planned, but like you know, he moaned a or bit. Or what? Last he week. got to work and cut himself again to retape <laughs> it. Like that. But when we moaned last week, like, why is he busting himself over? He's only thirty seconds left. If this why? The, here's why. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, there's a recap of the evil Uno stuff, and then we get to see yeah, Moxey walking backstage, pissing blood everywhere, all over the step. There's a nice pan down halfway through this promo, and he goes, ah, <laughs> covered in blood. It tastes like victory. It tastes like life. This is what he's all about. Living his life to the fullest. He's a sick man. He does this because he likes it. It's not something to be proud of, not something to aspire to. He lives for this. Shh. Uh, you don't want to go down a dark alley with him, Hangman, especially when there's only one of them coming out. Who does he think, Hangman, that is? Who does Hangman think is going to come out? Uh, just remember, you want this. I tried to leave it alone. I beat you. I sent you to the hospital. I barely broke a sweat, and I got no credit for it. Then you come back. You beat me. Then I come back from a concussion and beat you. You got all the flowers, all the awards. They told me it was a fluke. It wasn't real. It didn't count. That's where they panned down to the blood-covered stairs. He said, but I'd say that too. If I got beat by a wrestling move, I learned in flipping seventh grade. He didn't say flipping, re- readers. <laughs> um, this time, he's going to leave no doubt, though. He says, hang man, you're a great wrestler. You're a great, even a great man, but you're not the same animal as Mox Moxley. Ugh. There's only room for one of these animals in AEW, and he will die to protect what's his See you a Revolution, Texas, death! Oh, I almost, like,
1: pump kicked my bloody TV. <laughs> I
2: bust myself open watching this. <laughs> I bust something else.
1: <laughs> a not.
2: Oh! oh! Is that what you meant? Yeah, 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 Cool.
1: I know sometimes you struggle with yeah, this, so yeah, yeah. I thought I, like, really... Is uh, that what that
4: terrible podcast with Tommy Dreamer and Bully Ray actually means? I always thought it was about bleeding. Maybe they're just no, talking about...
1: I think they are talking about uh. bleeding. Anyway.
4: <laughs> you see, they've got their own... St- podcast name is a stipulation impact for the Yeah, it's good. Having a first blood, they're having a busted open That's match. D- have we done that? No, we don't need to. We don't need to fool Google. We need to fool the algorithm, but we don't need to fool yeah, the yeah. Google searches.
1: This was elite. This for yeah. the E and AW. This is absolutely tremendous for a plethora of reasons. Uh, I'm going to talk about them because I'm <laughs> giddy with excitement about doing so. John Moxey's body language here was absolutely fantastic. He was doing the thing, not for this reason, but you know when you're younger and you're Put your hands down by your sides, palms outwards, and you press really hard against each door frame. Mm. Right? You press really hard. You press really hard. You press really hard. What happens to your arms? They go like up, up. Yeah. yeah. You, you don't. You don't even know what I'm talking about, I, do you? Yeah. I, used
2: to, I used to lean on it. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And then your arms go up like that. I'm going to do it downstairs. Got it. He was. He was doing that, but he was like just so hipped up. Upper height. Was, yeah. he, was he trying to squeeze the blood out of himself? I, I thought he was trying I don't to think flex. He to. Not that he, do you know what <laughs> I mean. I
4: thought he was trying to do that little wrestler trick of like. I thought like get
1: the blood. He was conveying with his brilliant body language that he was saying that I'm barely restrained. I'm ready for this fight right now. I want it to happen. He's like an animal, like coiled, ready to <laughs> yeah. attack. And he used that verbiage in the promo, so that was fantastic. Is the content and the delivery of his promo was great. He genuinely seemed to me like someone who was primed and ready in that moment to go and kill a man, that he can't do that. He can't possibly be that intimidating and believing in yourself and ready to kill. I don't know how he can play that character, but he can because he's John Moxley and he's amazing. So that was fantastic. The blood. This is the Let It Play Out promotion. And maybe, just maybe, I can watch Matt Hardy in there. no, no. no. But maybe, just maybe, there is a reason why they do things. And I know that they've lost some of those privileges. I did not expect the Blade job with 45 seconds to spare Mm -hmm. in a match against Evil Uno to be not only paid off, but to almost restore what it means to bleed in AEW. The visual was so great. His eye was almost just soaked with blood, his right eye. Not only was it a great bit of shock composition to have it bleeding on the steps, but the idea that it just kept trickling. It was like just pooling below him the entire time. And I was thinking, what happens if he doesn't get that scene to? Does he just bleed to death? <laughs> Does he bleed out? Does he start to feel like woozy and sick and unable to stand on his own two feet? What happens to John Moxie in that moment if he doesn't get a doctor and underdress go, yeah, I'll tape it up, I'll tape it up? It felt, with the wonderful way it was shot, like they've almost gone in the direction of restoring what it means to bleed. It felt like, through the brilliant way that this was filmed, that bleeding has consequences. And I just couldn't believe that AEW, with its gratuitous excess in 2023 and last year as well, was able to convey of it's scary the amount of blood that he's losing. And it's scary how much he enjoys losing that blood and what does that mean for revolution? Like it's been a while because they've kind of fluffed a lot of things, AEW, in my opinion, one of which is the lights out stipulation. I remember before, during, and after feeling a bit scared of the lights out stip after Moxley Omega. Whenever they've done really violent matches after the fact, I have had that worry of, oh, don't take it too far, lads. They've effectively worked me. This is the first time I've caught that feeling in a long time of Mm. Christ, what are these boys going to do to each other at Revolution? I'm a little bit apprehensive about
2: how much blood is going to get drained here. This was five-star go-home stuff. Yeah, not to spoil, me and uh, Hamlet recorded a predictions video earlier on today, and not to spoil all of our predictions, but I'm slightly concerned. Isn't that
1: better than, you know, Matt Hardy-Goated? Why would you want some fake arsehole <laughs> pretending that it's good for engagement or pretending that they love it because their little pathetic identity is wrapped around this promotion? Don't you want measured yeah.
2: insight that's earned? But, you, well, yeah, what you were saying about their sort of fear almost, the fact that it doesn't affect us, like you say. I got that from this because my prediction is Hangman wins on Sunday, which means John Moxley gets to take a break. So this is what he does to his body on a weekly basis when yeah, he knows, yeah, yeah. oh, I'll have a few days and then I'll have to come back or I'm you know, maybe working rampage. <laughs> if you tell him, John, um, you know, you've got a, a few weeks, maybe even a few months to recovery. Bloody, is earned that holiday, let's be perfectly honest. So my brain's gone, right, so what's he going to put himself <laughs> through if to he knows justify it? the layoff. exactly Madness. What do you make of it?
4: Yeah, echo everything. So you said really just a tremendous bit of business. The last truly great John Moxley promo, that was within a storyline, so I'm not counting that amazing one he cut on the dynamite after Brawl Out, yeah. where he just saved the whole company basically in one speech. Genuinely, like relate, like immediately tied to something that just happened, as was the case here, was that fantastic line when he just squashed Punk, and it was like the answer to every question in pro wrestling is John Moxley. Turns out the latest question I didn't really realise I was asking to myself is why do I not care that much about John Moxley at the moment? And I think it was just because he hadn't... Done as effective his job as he did here on as uh, selling me on the violence that was necessary between him and Hangman Page. I love the detail in this story that Page is not trying to win a decider; he's trying to level the series mm. at Revolution. This whole thing, this like, there is echoes of Drew McIntyre winning with the backslide when he fought Randy Orton, and well, we've got to have a rematch because rest match isn't enough. Moxley addressed that. Here within the body of the promo. He's like, he's telling you the job is done, but he's tasted his own blood and he's made him realize, oh, there's another job to do here. And I love getting to do the work. And I just thought that was a nice way to have the have this specific character, the guy that is always the smartest, always the hardest, always the toughest, be kind of dragged in back in one more time to the deepest of deep waters with this thing with Hangman Page. Something with John Mox's character, it's it's very hard to convincingly have him move on from a defeat in which he's been screwed. It's happened twice in AEW. And they kinda rather than dealing with it, they just sort of back away from it. The Kenny Mega Don Callis screw job and the MJF William Regal one are necessary evils because you've got this character like Moxley who simply cannot be out thought and outfought. But then they don't always do quite enough of the work with the Moxley character after the fact. And then you get something like this. Last time it was to lead into the exploding barbed wire death match with Kenny. And now we're going into this deathmatch with Hangman Page. You've got to basically have him at his rawest and his most mm. violent to finally have him get through that murky post-screwjob period. And we've done it. And we've done it at the right time. Like, God-tier pay-per-view salesmanship, but like mm. in a, on a go-home show as well. Sublime. Watch this. From an elite-level promo to the elite. Ugh. The polar opposite of what we just watched.
2: Yeah. Uh, they're doing their entrance, carry on my wayward son, lights go down, lights come back up. The House of Black are about to get up to The lights go <laughs> down. Oh. The lights come back up. The Elite have been laid out. House of Black Hole on the trio's titles. What do you make of it?
4: Thoughtless trash in line with what most of this storyline has been. Let's be honest, like a face-off. Like that was almost a bait and switch, that rampage face-off, because it wasn't really. They did the lights out... Like lights back on trick, and then came out after the Young Bucks match. It wasn't some pre-arranged... Like when AW announced a contract signing, you know you're getting something far heftier than a WWE one. This was not heftier than WWE bait-and-switch face-off. There has been no story beyond Brandon Cutler getting powerbombed through a table and then the House of Black forgetting about it for a bit. That was December that took place. The story, and this isn't a bad one, by the way, is that the Trios champions are the best, and the House of Black are the second best and it's time to see if the second best can become the best. I wish they'd told that story, because as some people would have criticised that as not being enough, but it would have been better than this. Like the elite are being outthought by parlour tricks by their undertaker-adjacent goths. It's crap. It's not just not for me. It's just nowhere near on the level that you're allowed to
1: expect from the elite. I wish that... I could infer what was going on. They were coming out to promote their match. That was what was happening. Yeah. If this was advertised in advance, it would have felt like the House of Black had deprived the audience of something. Um, But instead, it was like, all right, okay, I didn't remember the Elite being advertised for the show. I'll go with it, of course. I love the Elite. And then this happened, and it's like, ah, right, okay. They didn't deprive me of anything. I'd have liked to have heard from the Elite. Mm. And if they deprived me of that, it might have put some heat on them. Do you think they were
4: thinking the other way? Do you think they said, well, they should be grateful that they're out here at all because they weren't even advertised. So now they can't complain about doing a lights off beatdown because they weren't even supposed to be here. I don't know. Do you know do you think that was like a that was an intentional thing about they know this is like wafer thin
1: creative. I've so I have no idea what's going on with the elite. I used to love poring over the details, maybe even reaching bro. <laughs> but now I just don't know. It's like an eerie kind of something's off and I don't know what yet feeling. Um And what annoyed me as well is like, can we tie the two things together? Yeah, might as well. So later in the show, Malachi Black emerges from the shadow to cut a promo. The same usual mumbling, what are you on about? Where he says something to the effect of fear is more effective than flesh. Like, which is basically saying we play mind games and we're really strong as well, but we've got you where we want you. You've already lost these titles because we're in your heads and you're scared. We proved it earlier in the show. Why would the elite be scared of the exact same thing the House of Black have been doing for about, or at least certainly Malachi Black, for nearly two years? When Malachi Black, I think if you go down the line here, <laughs> it probably levels out at about 50-50 mm. is win-loss record. There's no menace. They're not sinister. It's not scary. And if it's not, if you find the, th- I like the look, I do. I know Hanfler can reduce it magnificently with his eyes just dressed like a deer. (laughs) (laughs) My teenage fear of black metal and the church burnings and stuff like carries Mm -hmm. forward Mm -hmm. into the aesthetic. I think it is really strong, very striking, a great visual. Even if that was the case and they were menacing and like how do you not make Brody King of all of them? I'm not going to be scared of Buddy Matthews. and Malachi Black's Malachi Black. But I'm scared of Brody King. Yeah, same. They're just not credible. Even if they had this very elusive sense of menace, like you know the Raven, Kevin Sullivan, mm. Jake the Snake thing, which they don't have, in my opinion. And Tony Khan knows that Bray Wyatt is yeah, exactly. a Raven or
4: Kevin Sullivan.
1: <laughs> exactly. They're still not credible. So you can either got that thing, or you don't. Very few do. At least legitimize this act if they're going to try, and you'd be scared of our oh, Christ. Well, not. Going to like squeal in fright because Malachi Black's behind me, but my God, they're a threat to our titles, so we are a little bit shaken. They're not credible.
4: It doesn't even tie together. Turn the lights off and decking them is not mind games. It's turning the lights off and decking them. Yeah. You've not come up with some like like imagine if they'd have said uh, you know, like you've got these belts having gone through a best of seven series. Like uh, we've watched your matches since. We've seen that you're a step slower. How are those bodies after that series? How are those. Tied into sport. How are those minds after what happened last summer? Like, you held those bells once before and then you didn't. Why was that? You know, like, that's getting in people's heads. Like, go for their emotions, go for their physicality, all of that sort of stuff. Tie t- to sport. Tied to sport. Just Malachi Black, it's sport that you're in. Just turn the lights off and him from behind. That's not like, <laughs> it's not rent free, is it? Like, is that, <laughs> I, I could turn the lights off and then tip the table on you. It's like, I'm in your head now, yeah. Wilborn. No, hey,
1: just flick the lights off, Anfla. I'm gonna not labour on this anymore. This continues to be inexplicably, unforgivably uninteresting. People should be creaming themselves over this yeah. or ripping the piss out of it because of the people involved and how polarizing they are. And it's just it just exists.
4: Look out like alarm bells, let them ring if you see the accounts on Sunday when inevitably this match is awesome. Like five star adjacent action. There's gonna be some I told you so with the screenshots of how like the House of Black on the Delta Elites, whatever. Like that's bollocks. Don't don't engage with those people because they will tell you that you were wrong it's to doubt. Twenty nineteen takeover stuff. Yeah, you were mm. wrong. Like don't like. Yeah, you were wrong to
2: doubt it. Actually, no, you weren't. Like, my main concern was when Malachi Black says we're going to leave these belts here, and I was like, "Where's here? Where do you shoot these things with the weird <laughs> spotlights and stuff? What, they're never going to find the belts again look around all the bloody building." Anyway, <laughs> yeah, where is that?
1: They should redesign those belts. I don't think they look very good. I, I, yeah.
2: Lipstick
4: on. lipstick on a pig for this division, IMO. Yeah. <laughs> right
2: um, then we got the Face of the Revolution ladder match. It was uh, Commander, Kanosuke Takeshita, Action Andretti, Sammy Guevara, AR Fox, Ortiz, uh, Eddie Kingston, and Powerhouse Hobbs with Samoa Joe on commentary going, well, good luck to all of these, and shooting down any suggestion that he would not be involved in this match next week, of course, when he gets a TNT Championship match. Um. The last we'll ever see of Eddie Kingston. He brawls with the OTs up the ramp and then subsequently quit AW.
4: I was a bit pissy about this on Twitter this morning, but then I got a reply that made the point better than I did in my original tweet. It was from Chris Chopping, I believe. Shout out to him. He's in the replies if you see my original tweet. Uh, I just think it's WWE adjacent stuff, like it's Rey Mysterio going to SmackDown to avoid Dominic, even though Dominic can just go to SmackDown. Eddie Kingston's got a Ring of Honor. Like, he's leaving it. This is the realest guy in the room, and he's kayfabe left the company to walk through the company that's owned by the same man. And we know this. That's Tony Khan went on Dynamite and said, yeah. I own it. You can't even yeah. be like, eh, if you want to believe the kayfabe, they're different companies. Now you're working for the same guy. You know this, Eddie. Like, don't work me, bro, with that sort of thing. And then Chris Chopping said, um, a guy who they've not asked us to care about for six months is now behind a paywall, and we're supposed to care more. That is completely mm, yeah. arse backwards. I couldn't have put that like better if I tried. It's really damaging, really, really damaging what they're doing to the one day hope that you might have. And like Eddie Kingston could win this Ring of Honor title. Like, that's not going to mean what you think it means. It's not like, even if, and even if he does like win that belt, now he goes to Ring of Honor. It's just not, that's not us getting what we want. It never, uh, was. It I, never I, was. I
2: never was. As much as I don't like what they've done with Eddie Kingston recently, if on next Wednesday he came out after. I think MJF's going to win on Sunday. Mm. And when I want a title match, I'd have gone, don't care. Yep, absolutely. Take that straight away. But now it feels the furthest he's ever been away that we get this elusive, not even temporary title reign, title shot.
1: It's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Who's going to make me climb a ladder? I'm not going to climb a ladder. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I quit. I'll be a ladder match in ROH. Yeah. There will be gauntlets in R.O.H. <laughs> it's a Tony Khan product. And even if it's a different one, your no grievance is still with Tony Khan. Stop making Tony Khan a heel. Stop making me think Eddie Kingston has no credibility. He lives and dies on it as a character.
2: Ugh. Bad booking. Bad booking, but you no, know, apparently it's really good and I'm the asshole. <laughs> Uh, you promised and he delivered, Commander, rope walks and jumping all over the place. That's yeah, what he was there for. I yeah. really enjoyed it. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> why the flew him in. He's got yeah. springy boots. He I mean. uh, hit a, to- a rope walk drop kick into action. Andretti was holding a, holding a ladder. Um, I didn't realize it was a hometown for, for Hobbs this. Nice to touch, that. Yeah. yeah nice. He uh, mowed down some people. I think it was Andretti, Commander, Fox. Guevara's about to get in and goes... No, I'm good, actually. <laughs> um, but Takesh does this once a piece of this. He gets in there, slugfest with Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, Don Callis watching backstage. I'm glad this hasn't been abandoned.
4: Yeah. Is that the first time it's been mentioned? Like, as i mentioned it. I he's done it on commentary. Casually Callis,
1: on yeah. commentary whenever Takesh has been in the ring. I think he might have even been in the crowd on a rampage.
2: They've Built this, social media on Twitter. It was a PWG. I thought that was a nice touch. Oh, yeah. to watch him, yeah. Um, So Fox hits a big dive to the floor, and Commander's like, watch this, and uh, walks the ropes from one side of the ring to the other and takes out just everyone to take us to a break. When we come back, Fox gets planted with a DVD uh, off the apron onto the ladder bridge that has been set up by Powerhouse Hobbs. It doesn't break. I love it when it doesn't (laughs) break. Um, Takeshra and Hobbs get back into it. Guevara tries to just sneak in, but Andretti jumps up the ladder bridge. Tries a falcon arrow off it. That looked like it sucked today. idiots. idiot. <laughs> um, Fox is still. <laughs> Sammy's,
4: Sammy's thick as mint in these matches, isn't he? Yeah, Does yeah. not
2: care. Uh, Fox is still on the bridge. So Commander hits a rope walk, shooting star press, and I, I, I very much felt what Ar Fox was feeling through his, his facial expressions after that. Uh, Commander goes for the. Uh, hemorrhoid ring thing, um, but Takeshi <laughs> hits him with a huge blue thunderbomb off the ladder, which look...
3: Oh I've used that
2: enough today. i yeah. used it about four times already, sorry. Um, Andretti looks like he might be about to grab it, but in comes Daniel Garcia uh, to stop him, and uh, him and Guevara set up a ladder between two chairs on the floor. Uh, Guevara takes out Andretti with a on off the ladder, and Garcia's like, quick, get up there, and helps him back in, but Takeshi wipes them both out. It looks like Kenosuke Takeshi is about to get it and Hobbs <laughs> just runs through the ladder. Doesn't try and grab the guy. Doesn't do the old, oh, I'm tipping you over. Just mows everything out of the way. The ladder's just sort of, it's still a ladder technically. Uh, but Takesh just uh, it, yeah, eats crap. And taken out of it. And Hobbs, <laughs> he's like, I'll just hold this in place because it could just burst at any second. Hobbs climbs the ladder, grabs the ring. He is the uh, number one contender for the TNT Championship for next week's Dynamite. Um, Joe's about to have a face-off with uh, Hobbs when out comes Wardlow and the security guy and the security guards get taken out by um, Wardlow and Joe disappears. Hobbs just looks on smiling, holding his title shot, saying, i got plenty of time.
1: Brawl was good. The match was spectacular, but flawed. As with virtually every single multi-man ladder matches, it existed very transparently at times to facilitate spots. <laughs> and there was very little climbing, and people assembled bridges when they could have just climbed for the objective of the match. But as contrived as it was, the ends justified the means to me because I've got low expectations of this genre. I'm realistic. I'm realistic. <laughs> <laughs> and some of it just looked absolutely incredible. Like a rope walk shooting start onto a suspended ladder bridge. Absolutely amazing. Oh
2: my God.
1: Um, I even, like, you didn't even need the ladder to be awesome at a certain points. Like a deadlift German on a Powerhouse Hobbs by Takeshita.
3: Oh my God. Yeah, yeah.
1: fantastic. There's some story here, not all of it good. Um, skate Takeshita just narrowly missing out, brings him closer to Don Callis's Connie. Clutches. Sorry for the alliteration, <laughs> which brings us closer to Kenny Omega and Kenosuke Takeshita.
3: Oh
2: my god!
1: Ooh. Action Andretti being screwed by Sammy Guevara is another hint towards well, if you can't beat him, join him. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if nothing else, even if Starks versus Jericho must continue, Andretti as a heel could why, be. Money. Why must it continue? Jericho wins a feud. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Andretti as a heel is the way forward yeah. because he's not a babyface to me. And uh, Hobbs winning is great because that doesn't feel like he's there to just lose and pad out someone's record. There's real drama in whichever match that transpires to be. The floors, again, building bridges for no reason other than to, than to facilitate spots, overselling on the outside. You know what they are at this point. i tell you what really was a bit much for me. I wish Powerhouse Hobbs was taken out with some ridiculous, like, sold through a ladder or something. Cause I can't remember a spot where something really violent and massively debilitating happened to him, and yet he was overselling on the outside. It's bad enough in any triple threat, three-way, fatal four-way, Good multi-man point. ladder when they oversell on the outside because two people have to work their spots, and it's very awkward and contrived. Hobbs is a machine. Mm. I don't take it seriously at the best of times. It was very, it was particularly glaring when it was Hobbs, and it really telegraphed the result. The yeah. person mm. who's not that involved towards the finish, who's the biggest star of the lot, there was always going to be Hobbs winning this, and I could see it coming a mile away. Mm. But big, dumb fun. That wasn't not clever at certain points.
4: Yeah, it's like one of the matches that, and there's loads of them now in wrestling, that like make you feel like a dick for complaining about the construction of it all. I, I, it doesn't feel fair that I can be harsh to any of this because of watching what they all do with their bodies. But yeah. like, you did choose wrestling, so I, <laughs> like, and I and I chose talking about it, so we can both do our jobs, can't we? Like, yeah.
1: do, do you know what I mean? Like, it's this was great, but like, he d- did a thousand bumps and a thousand boring matches. You have to respect him. Yeah, do I? Uh huh. Like the Hobbs point is it? Like we were talking just about just because I don't like bumping and wouldn't take one doesn't mean they don't love it.
4: I like. The Hobbs point is a particularly great one. We were talking in the office about this match and about this, like we've talked about this before, this weird thing where AEW cannot master this genre in the way that WWE has. And they're not all perfect in WWE, far from it. I'm as bored of multi-man ladder matches as anybody. But a really good one is more likely to happen in WWE than AEW. Strange that. Mm. But the best one for me still is Money in the Bank 1 and Kane is the Hobbs. They're on Kane all the time. You've got Edge and Christian and others in there, and they know that the job in that match, all of them have to collectively be on. It's Kane, for Christ's sake. He's massive. He might be useless, but he's huge. He doesn't even need to climb all the ladder to reach the briefcase. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be on him. And Hobbs was never really that. As awesome as his spots were, very like Tony Khan, AEW, big man spots, or stuff you remember and stuff you gif. But when you're trying to like engage in like the story of this, there's a lot less mm. of it. It's like Hobbs trucked this guy, or Hobbs Hobbs pushed in the way of that, and it's like that's what you're told to remember from a powerhouse Hobbs. And then the the flippy stuff's amazing, but the flippy stuff's amazing somewhere on a dynamite every week. The you said it, Sidge. Like a couple of the like commander ones didn't need the ladder. It was the ropes he needed, yeah, rather yeah. than the ladder. And it's like so I'll just I'll have more commander rope stuff. Thanks very much. I'll never watch this again. But cage match, I'll go nine on it and. Twitter will tell us that we don't talk about it enough in six months. Definitely, definitely two one of them two months stops. <laughs> Hobbs will beat a battle-worn Wardlow, I think, next week. And that'll be pretty cool. Like he'll outpower Wardlow because he's had a few more days rest from his battle yeah. than Wardlow has. And I don't mind that story.
2: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend.
3: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Renee Paquette is backstage with a medical update on the best friends. Chuck and Trent aren't cleared to compete after they got the crap beaten out of them. At some point last week, it was either Dynamite or Rampage. That Rampage? Was it Triple J? Did they beat them off?
1: It was on Rampage. It was a quite cute runner, which i had failed to pick up on at the time. But then I realized, you know what, that's quite good. Where whenever they spoke the name of a giant, like another giant or the same
2: giant came in, there was two separate attacks. Oh yeah. It's nice that. Um, so they're not cleared to compete. Uh-oh, I've written it down here following their attack on Rampage. I should just read my own notes, really. <laughs> um, but Dan Housen says, don't worry. The best friends are still going to be represented because me and Orange Casty are going to take their place. Cassidy's holding ice on his ribs; he's getting checked on by a doctor. And Renee's like, are "You all right to do that?" And he goes, "I don't care. Don't worry about the injured best friends, guys. The injured best friends
1: are going to do it." <laughs> Bit weird. Is the ones you like? Yeah, is the, one, is the best friend you're
4: still investing in just about. And and like we pick on this, and you should. Uh, they're just so they're just in, are they? Like right the team are injured. I think it's more or less an invitational. This. Where were some hot teams then?
1: (laughs) Santana and Ortiz are no longer a team. The Young Bucks are preoccupied in the trios division. Dax Harwood's... Told me
4: on Twitter he was not booked. So if he was, he'd have been there. Dennis
1: Stamp FTR are either working. What I would describe as the anti-first dance (laughs) of... The anti-first dance of are we going to turn up or not? Because with the first dance, I knew... And I love not quite knowing, and it was going to be the best thing ever. With Dax, I don't know, and I don't care. It's the anti first dance. That's where he is. Where was Stinging Dabs? I
4: this don't is the bit know. where they went
2: best friends can't do. it. I went here we go. Mm-hmm. It's going to be convoluted. I will say one thing: they never no, expressly
1: we yeah. advertised a joker. We manifested that one, mm. and then using casino with the
4: joker for the last four years manifested you know one too. No, they didn't. They did, man. There's been a Joker in every casino. I'm actually wh- allowed wh- to wh- think.
1: Yeah, that's true. They, I will say. With a, with a what? Sorry, a catchphrase. Dead Joker.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: His head was on a swivel. Did he even say baby? Oh, sorry. Well, shut up, then.
2: Let's get a clean one.
1: Dead Joker, baby.
2: <laughs> needs to be filmed. This for that face.
1: I have said for a long time that they made a rod for their own back with this Joker. Can't say. Si- <laughs> I've made a joke
2: once. <laughs> <laughs> <And> like, <laughs>
1: I made a joke once in early 2020 like mid 2020 when they were doing like a casino or something <laughs> or other I was like well the might have made a rod for their own backs can't sign a new talent every quarter will someone every week they're gonna be great for us in nine days nine days on EW Dynamite, EW Dynamite. Imagine like Dynamite I read. actually said yeah. they yeah. can't sign a new guy every quarter well I was right yeah. but not quite for the reasons I thought the Ric Flair last
4: match promo video like not to dig this guy but, holy shit it's Leo Rush.
1: But like you just you can't do it for everyone that comes Aye. to the door, can you? Oh my god. It's that John Morrison and BB. <laughs> so that's when they should have gave it up. G- give give up the joke. They can't do it all the time. I think they've signed everyone. So <laughs> all, all wrestlers I completed it. Tony Khan's
4: got like his oh. GTA 100% thing for all of wrestling.
1: What's wrong?
4: No, I just remembered.
2: Because I really like it. Lord's left <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that, But I just, I, it's a perverse enjoyment. I should I feel really harsh for laughing at it yeah, Always go back to my side, Yeah, oh. Yeah, you do that, me do that. Here it comes. On the top
4: rope. I really like It's not it. like Gerard. He could have died. Like the, the slips that you can laugh at. I did, like, all-time great AW fix with Nakazawa and the baby. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, that's a company operated at peak level that you film that. Like, yeah.
2: This will do. Um, then, it was, Nakazawa. then it was time for uh, Chris Jericho versus Peter Avalon. Skip. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you might want to save that one for later, actually. I
1: think this is the most inoffensively mid thing on the show. There's something I hated more than this, mm, but,
2: my God. Yeah, I've got a feeling I know what that is. So um, we go, it comes out and then go to break. Come back. Peter Avalon immediately starts attacking him. He talks about on the road to him stealing this opportunity from him. He's going to kick his ass. Uh, takes Jericho out. Dive outside. Chops. Drives him into the steps. Uh, hits a springboard crossbody and a swinging DDT. Near falls off them. And he turns around. Gets fired up by the crowd. Turns straight into a code breaker. Jericho one two three. Post match, Jericho gets Floyd the Bat. Beats down Avalon. Um, and uh, Ricky Starks hits the ring to make the save. And Jericho gets on the mic and says, "Hey, uh, on Sunday the JAS aren't allowed at ringside, but there's no rules about that tonight." In comes Jake Hay, Daniel Garcia. Yeah, <laughs> they beat up Starks. I hate him. Go away. <laughs> Jericho hits a Judas effect <laughs> to lay Ricky Starks out.
3: Yeah,
4: Ricky Starks used to be so cool. That's my big concern. Do you know what he is now? What is he now, Sid? What is he not? Just not cool.
1: It's not, it, it, how is Ricky Starks not fucking cool? It's Chris Jericho. That's I hate him. Go away. Remember, Ricky Starks. I can't remember the pay per view. I think it was a pay per view. He's uh, up in the stands, Ricky Starks, with Hobbs, and he's just putting himself over high on himself, and he's like, "I'm a suave debonair, a sexy motherfucker," <laughs> <laughs> and he and he's just like so high on himself. It's almost tier. I'm the best, and I just can't get enough of myself. And now he's saving Peter Avalon from a Chris Jericho beatdown. He's mates with Action Andretti, (laughs) who I'm convinced is on 4chan. It's the worst table in the lunchroom. That's what it is. uh, Not only is he just not not cool. Just not cool. (laughs) This was the most flat, uninspiring. Like, this existed purely to summon Starks. For the obligatory narrative beat of getting the heat on Chris Jericho, I need my heat Tony. I don't know why it's Jim Ross. I yeah. oh, Tony. I need my heat. <laughs> I'm gonna so boring, so flat, so obligatory. So what? It's it's the uh, it's the Dudley's go-to sound the uh, Steve Austin
4: comparison alarm. Uh, Steve Austin, like one of the great understated Steve Austin moments when he saves. Stephanie McMahon from being married to The Undertaker against the will, right? His disdain for the McMahon family, even though at the time Vince was ostensibly a babyface and Stephanie definitely was, he saves Ste- he's he got to kick the ministry's ass because they beat him up earlier in the night. That's why Steve Austin's here because the ministry kicked his ass and he's like, no, I'm going to kick your ass, Midian, right? <laughs> so he beats up The Ministry, they all suck. Undertaker's got terrible friends. And, uh, and
1: himself is terrible.
4: And he himself is terrible. And he, say- he unties Stephanie because like... He- you can't, like, be married to somebody else. their will. This. And then she hugs him because she's just so relieved. And he can't even bring himself to put his arms around her. I, I didn't come here for this. And, like, Vince rushes the ring and he hugs Stephanie because he saved his daughter. And he's leaning over his daughter's shoulder, going, thank you, Steve. I know everything that's passed, but thank you, Steve. And Austin's like, you know that's not what I'm here for. Like, I want... The Undertaker's got my WWE title and these dickheads have kicked my ass. I'm kicking their ass. Like... Ricky Starks and Peter Avalon, like, sharing a beer backstage. We got him this week, but we'll get him next week, Peter. Like, who are these? Who are these? Like, who is he anymore, Ricky Starks? I don't know not he. I don't know what, what he is, but I know what he is, not he's just not cool. He's <laughs> just not cool. Who's had the worst Vortex run? Ricky Starks, Starks. Or, or Eddie Kingston
1: or Orange Cassidy? Cassidy, that looks like, uh, I don't know, something good. Because Jericho pen. fell in juice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Or the pinnacle brackets general. Kingston. Oh my God, there's been a lot. Kingston. In Kingston. Because
2: where we are. And try I and know. say like, well, there's the win for Kingston after he lost all the matches.
4: I think they gave one win to like the BCC on Rampage. Didn't they win a tag match or something against some members of the, like they beat Sammy and Danny Garcia and it was like oh, this is the real quiz. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. What? Glad we finally. Yeah, like Moxley was like, we've definitely finished our business with the Jericho Appreciation Society as a result of this pointless tag match that six hundred thousand people watched. Ah, oh. hell of a year. Six hundred thousand <laughs> <laughs> rampage. Sure.
2: Um, then it's time for Hangman Page to respond to John Moxley, uh, head of the Texas Death. Sunday, uh, he said he'd been talking to the Dark Order, and Alex Reynolds said, look, this is the end of your mocks. Uh, aren't you just a bit afraid of losing? And uh, Hangman basically said, this is all he's got left to lose. He's lost the title, He got another shot at the title and lost that. All his friends were taken from him. You can't take his memory, that's gone. You t- can't take the feelings and the tips of his fingers, that's gone. Great line. Uh, he says, this Sunday, I take away everything from you, John. Your spot at the top, your pride in blood and violence. I will be the last man standing. You know, Moxie, you're right. I'm not the same kind of animal as you. I bloody hate violence, me. Um, not great line. But um, I will be the most violent and bloodthirsty son of a bitch because uh, I know what I've got to do to beat you. Uh, this is all I've got. This is Texas death. There's only two ways out. You live or you die, and I ain't done living. And after Sunday, John, you will never, ever be the same again. I
1: wish he'd redrafted the violence line. To not say that he hates it. He's kicked ass before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand. He's a just baby face. He wants to compete. And in his core, he's the good one. As Hangman Page. <laughs> I wish he'd said something like, I'm bivalent towards violence. It's not what I'm here for, rather than saying that he hates it. Because
2: violence doesn't define me. Something like no. that. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, the, you're never
4: supposed to end up in a blood feud in wrestling. You're yes. just supposed to fight for titles, and then accidentally you pivot into yeah, yeah, hating yeah. someone.
1: But you took that one a bit too far. <laughs>
4: Aye, it's like nice to... Great otherwise. Yeah, it's nice that he's a son of a bitch rather than a straight up one because now is the time <laughs> to now is the time to get there. He's got to lose. I love what this page? promo. He's, yeah, I love this promo and he's got to lose. Again, gonna
2: no, no spoilers for our... Um, uh, predictions video, but I was. Shut up then. When he came out with that.
4: He's got to lose. Like, this can't end 2 2 with no extra time. This has got to, like, Page has got to lose. Like, he's the best when he's fighting from underneath, and the whole point is you pile as much on top of him as possible. Like, especially if the elite leaves the belts. That's your route back to getting them four back he's together. he got to win. I don't know.
2: Join us on Sunday. Do we have
1: to have a fifth match? No. no. The
4: objective so it's a, of this is. a 50 50 booking then.
1: It's not 50 50 booking. It's <laughs> Because Ah, the third match, as has been told to you in the story, (coughs) is that it wasn't about the winning. It was about the ending. It was Mm. about killing someone, not beating them.
4: It's very um, sly political operator John Moxley to lose a big one without
2: getting pinned, isn't it, as well? Oh, He's got a bit of that in him. Yeah. He's 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 got it all. Um, Rene Paquette is is in the ring next and introduces Christian Cage. uh, He talks about... It's been ten years oh since he's God. been back in San Francisco. He can't wait for it, forgot this. another ten years to pass till he uh, returns you again. Get it
1: when it comes on this Revolution card as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. I forgot about this one. Yeah,
2: that's gonna be the one, isn't it? To
1: the point, the main event.
2: Um, Paquette says, you know, after Jungle Boy beat Luchasaurus at Full Gear, this feud should have been over. But you've you coming back has changed that. And he says, look, I was I was finished with all this. And then I turned on Dynamite and heard Jack Perry say that in 2023 he's gonna win a singles championship over my dead body, says Christian <coughs> Cage. Uh he says I'm gonna win a title in 2023. That's a fact. Well, if he didn't say that get a
4: film crew. If he doesn't say that line, the next bit would have been stupid.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching Jungle Boy over the past few months winning with quick pins and roll-ups. You know, do you wanna Beat someone for a title? Or do you just want to win? I think I know the answer. Jack Perry, you're a coward. You know you had me dead to rights last week, and I showed you how you how a real man conducts business. I left you in your own blood and piss. A good like That, that was a good yeah. line. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Christian's great. Yeah, Christian rules. He's better than uh, Jack Perry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Why would you want to win a title so bad anyway?" Um, you know, you haven't got any interest in legacy or prestige. You just want to take this shiny toy home. Show your mom, show your sister. Hoy on Instagram, get some likes. That's my problem with your generation. You treat the... You treat... Uh, like a video game. I saw uh, someone hold held up a video game sign. Literally, he said this thing, by That's the way. News. Uh, That's loads of them. You're like a dime it. a dozen. I don't get it and I don't like it. You're a dime a dozen. No one can do what I do.
1: Are you going to E3? <laughs> Are you going to... F- Aw, I don't go to E3 with a sign that says "I love Kenny Omega." (laughs) Splatoon three was overrated. Splatoon three was
2: overrated, massively overrated. More of a Rocket League guy myself.
1: You don't get the satisfaction. I I was told Splatoon three. It's like a shooter you can play with your children. Yeah, great because that means right, James, there's twenty minutes on the switch. Right, bedtime. Cool. I'm going to actually play the game, and. I know you got Salmon Run. You're not like blowing people away. You're it's so unsatisfying, them isn't it? It's so
4: punchy. Yeah, yeah. Splatoon sucks. It's too much of a, like, t- games have too many, like, too much time spent in the training section of it as well. You get a lot to do before you can just get on with the business of, like, trying to cover each other in paint. Like, oh, hit that target from 400 yards. Fail three times. Well, funnily enough, my uh, seven-year-old attention span has gone. He wants to play Mario, where he's actually rewarded every now and then for something, 40 quid down the fucking drain. I traded it in. Did you? Yeah.
1: Gold hard cash. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, check out the What Culture Gaming podcast for more gaming chat. Basically, say probably, probably get podcast from. I get insights. <laughs> yeah, we have. We've had Scott on here. They haven't quite returned the favor just as much over there. You, I know you went on one. Yeah,
4: you? they would let me talk because they've never. They were talking about like games for parents or something. I was like, I got to be the token parent that day. They've never had. Uh, They've never, like, asked for a near 38-year-old man for his Nintendo Switch opinion since.
1: Scott, to his credit, don't know if I believe him, he said he would have me on, but so far he's been a bit of a
2: meanie. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Cage is one of one. He treats this, he treats, sorry, sorry to ask you to do this again. He treats this (laughs) like his own ATM machine and he ain't done milking it dry. (laughs) Not you. Um, <laughs> Twice—that's two paydays we have to give out. See the
4: judgment days—he hanging out with John Cena.
2: But, oh, don't show stacks that. No. By the way, if you've no got neat chance, about, <laughs> if you have no idea what we're talking about. Check out the NXT Preview and Review podcast—not for the wrestling takes, for the extended cast of characters. He's going to have to go running back to the elephant at this, right? Whisper. <laughs> oh, another payday. At least
4: you don't need to whisper. Sweet, nothing's in it. so You can scream them. It's that big,
2: right? It needs to end. This. Got a challenge for Jack Perry on Sunday. A fight. No rules, no regulations, just a fight. So the There's sand- only an angle, do we think, as opposed to a match? Because nothing got announced. On the wiki, it says no holds barred, and that's what we did on the predictions. So.
1: I think well, someone, oh, Wikipedia. I think someone yeah. might just be making it up.
2: Yeah, to be One honest. yard
1: match.
4: This was like, you know, the Rock and, uh, Rock and Hogan's incredible Chicago showdown. This was not as good as that, but like that. And it's like, oh, wow, end it there. Don't think so, brother. i got a massive truck. We're about to slam that truck into an ambulance. You're going to forget everything we said in
2: 10 minutes. (laughs) It's like the low-scale equivalent of that. Yeah. He says, uh, if you choose to show up, Jungle Boy, sad reality is you're, you're just your father's son. Just like your father, you're a talentless hack. You ain't got the guts. You're not a closer. You don't have any grit. Yeah, You ain't got an ounce of what I've got inside. Lights go down. Uh, and uh, Jungle Boy's made a little video. He's uh, <laughs> <laughs> digging a grave. There's loads of Jungle Boy's digging a grave.
4: What is this? This isn't AEW Dynamite. Jungle Boy is digging a grave on a video on a home
2: video he's made uh, and submitted.
4: Today. Have I got this in in time? Tony, when did you need my grave digging video for?
2: Here we see Intersplice Darby with Darby Allen one. with this is time with Christian Cage, of course, as his mentor. There's tears in his eyes, and it pulls back to see the tombstone on the grave. It says Christian Cage, and Renee asks for Cage's thoughts, and he just walks off.
1: Michael Hamflick made the very salient point that if Christian Cage hadn't have used, like, death and dead corpse imagery in his promo, it would have been stupid, this video. <laughs> Was Christian Cage's promo even advertised? Did we uh, actually hear from Christian Cage? I cannot remember.
2: No, I don't remember it on the... the no, because the we weren't sure if it was going
4: to be this or Swerve and Keith Lee that might get added to Revolution,
1: so we didn't know. We were like... So even if it was like, oh, we hear from Christian Cage, um, it's dropped on Twitter like four hours before the show, it's still <laughs> an impressive turnaround for a short film. Kyler O'Reilly's got to work pretty and quickly, is It was
2: nighttime it? when he was digging the grave. So yeah, so he's got to black go... Blackout curtains or something.
1: So he's got to go on location, get yep. a film crew, get an editor... There's
4: the shop, obviously, in Florida. Well, looks like we're going to have to close down our customised Christian Cage gravestone shop. This was yet another bad idea. Ding! <laughs> so... How's it going, everybody? It going? Have you got any shops for sale? Who's that guy? We were expecting the 78-year-old decrepit freak. We've got a 39-year-old one instead, however old Tony
1: It's so a Jungle Boy has bought himself a little prop gravestone. <laughs> He's got himself a little tripod. Everything's little. He's got himself a little camera... Got himself a little tear in his eye about all the cumulative emotional devastation that this feud has A caused him and B following this video has made it seem ridiculous. <laughs> and uh he is told the production truck, right? I think Christian Cage might come out. <laughs> he talks about my deceased father, which seems increasingly frivolous and irrevel- irrelevant at this point. So here's this just in case it all <laughs> happens. What if it doesn't Jack Perry's? Oh, I don't know. The most contrived, cringe-worthy thing I've seen in AEW since the worst of the Dark Order in 2019. And, wow. I, and, I, and I am not joking. This upset all of my sensibilities as a fan of AEW's product and approach in general. It was manufactured as all hell. The actual content of the video, as ridiculous as it was and how convenient as it was that it got made, and the idea of Jungle Boy doing all of this, if you peel back from the camera,
2: was pathetic. This was all kinds of awful over my dead body. I, I, what were
4: they thinking? Jungle Book, like Jack Perry of all kinds. What were they thinking? You, like, I don't like this it when was,
2: I, This would have been so much better if it was just
1: kept simple.
4: Yeah, like I don't like it when the House of Black do this stuff, right? But I can, if I have to, I will stretch to the idea that Malachi Black has a like has a grave guy. Just keeps him on speed dial just in case. Like, in case he's in the mood to, like, play mind Gary games. Corey Graves? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. He calls Corey Graves and he gets three made. One for Kenny, Nick, and Matt. Like I, that I can just about stretch that. That's the kind of thing Malachi Black would do with his week to get excited about this match. Jack Perry's not doing this. He is not going to the grave shop and then getting a camera. and <laughs> gra- like, He did it in... Re-
1: he shot a short... He shot, edited... it. He scripted, shot, edited... <laughs> edited. Edited. A short film... <laughs> the editors. ...film... Yes. ...in response to a promo he had just heard that conveniently
2: had the line. Uh, oh my, oh my God. Yes, it's me, uh, Gary Graves, uh, good friend from Malachi's Blacks. What you need? <laughs> no problem, Jack. I'll have it you by half an hour.
4: How are you for uh, boats on those lakes? Because I can get, uh, get you four more.
2: <laughs> it is a uh, big match, I think, and uh, it is Christian Cage.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> how you say... Uh, how do you say? How do you say Jay Reshaw?
4: I don't get him. He is neither religious nor a man made of mesh.
1: <laughs> uh, NXT, wherever you get your podcasts that from. That boy
4: is a man. And he lives in a city. <laughs> they should call him City Man, Jack Perry.
2: Uh, Jay Mayer and Britt Baker are backstage. Tony Schiavone is chatting to him. Hey, it says, I know what's sweeter. Getting to beat a one bitch or two on Sunday. <laughs> Quite like that. Yeah. yeah. And Britt says, watch the match later with t- Tony and... Love that. This material's so thin. The storyline sucks. Bitch for a pop? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bitch for a pop. <laughs> <laughs>
4: or, I want to show you this video of have made. Britt Baker's down
2: the graveyard with, like, Ruby Oh, Ooh! <laughs> I can't believe you did it as well! <laughs> Uh, Britt basically tells Soraya later on, uh, watch two former AW champions duke it out. You'll never have the title. Uh, and Jamie says, yeah, we'll be watching and we'll keep an eye out for Soraya, who's inevitably going to make an appearance. Yeah. Then it was time for the FDW Championship match. Hook defending against Matt Hardy. Skip.
4: I can't believe we're only there. you
2: <laughs> gonna have to hurry up. Yeah. gloss over the terrible stuff. That's what I'm going to do anyway. You don't have to. You can do what you want.
4: Right, straight to the main event then.
2: <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Hardy does the delete thing, but uh, it allows Hook to get a knee bar. So he gets to the ropes, goes outside, and uh, with the ref distracted, Ethan Page, who's there alongside Stokely, sends Hook into the post um, to allow Hardy to take over. But Hook recovers, Har- hits Hardy with an overhead throw as he goes to do the delete things in the turnbuckle, um, charges into a snake eyes from Hardy, hits a side effect, but Hook fights off the second. There's a double down. Um, Hathaway, wait a second. He hasn't got a broken all. Takes off his cast, gives it to Ethan Page, who nails Hook with it. It looks like Hardy's got the match won. One, two, Hook kicks out. Hardy sets up for a twist of fate, but Hook counters it into Red Rum. Hardy taps instantly.
1: Oh, the contrast between that sleek, young, technical, athletic machine versus Matt Hardy, the contrast was just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. He could not have looked older, slower. Terrible matchmaking from Tony Khan. see Let's get loads of different characters and overlap some storylines. Oh, Bought of that in 2021. 20, 20, that approach has peaked. Don't do it anymore. Don't. Because if you're having to do this thing where. Right. I know why Tony Khan books and he. You know. Deft dovetailing booking. I know all about this, of course. If you are having to arrange your storylines in such a way because it's your formula and it's your way of doing things but you're having ricky starks be friends with peter avalon and action andretti and you are having hook i think be in on something with matt hardy get rid of that device you're failing your characters because you're doing device plotting first and credibility of your characters second has to be the other way around at this point you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. Um, time to re-switch your columns and rows yes yeah, or just not book on a spreadsheet anymore <laughs> Yeah, I think the idea is that Hook wants Stokely mm. and Matt wants out of the firm so when they did the red Room, despite the fact that they had a competitive match they could have just ended it here so when they did the red Room, tap straight away both people in the match get what they want Hook gets Stokely, mm. Matt gets a measure of revenge against the firm who holding him captive and he just want to be there, right? Okay. That explains the finish from a storyline perspective, right? Why did Hook and Matt Hardy have a match before all this happened? Yeah. If that's what the story was. If it wasn't that and Hook just wanted to beat up Matt Hardy and getting the match with Stokely was a bonus on top of it, why couldn't Matt Hardy, right, have actually sold the red rum and, like, oh, splutter and choke a little bit, then do a little wing to the camera, and as he's spluttering, they're going to be a good gag here, he kind of, like, shrugs as if to say, well, oh, I got choked out, but I'm happy with the result. Completely no-sold the red rum, and just... I know it wasn't really applied for very long, but that was a corny finish, if you ask me. Action was terrible. Storyline sucks. I coined fed-pilled, which I'm glad about. We wish it had taken off, but it didn't. To describe just the worst WWE fans. What's the what? one out in the end? Vincels. Vincells. I like Fed FedPill. Mm.
2: Yeah.
1: People are torn between AEW sexuals and freakazoids. If I'm not putting Helwarni over, I'm going to call them because it's always the people who watch the vlogs and every episode of Dark as if the Excalibur Taz thing isn't quite as good as it used to be. But no, it's still the best. It's still the best. If you like WWE if you don't like this? Yeah. You truthers. <laughs> <laughs> all these little nerds who like it all and aren't discerning and cannot sanction the idea that any of it could possibly be bad. You truthers, I like that, it's given me the segue to the only thing I really
4: want to talk about here, which is just I simply do not believe those that suggest that Hook is still the hook that we once felt
2: so much for. Is
1: anyone suggesting that?
2: Yep, loads. i got pelters for putting him in that boring wrestlers of 2022 he, list. He's
1: dead, all he does is fight, he's for a full calendar year. The kid has exclusively worked undercard prelim programs against geeks. That's his character now. That is his character. It's so far away from young, hot... (laughs) The gatekeeper to the undercard. Yes, (laughs) he He is. If you beat Hook, you might get a lower card. He spent significantly longer working geeks as the guy who gives you the catharsis for beating up the mouthy, deluded heels than he has being the young, sleek, technical, animal submission judo guy who's just this... That's what young people are. I didn't know this, but they're cool. That hook's dead. Stokely Hathaway is a better geek than most. Smart Mark Sterling, 2.0, QT Marshall, something that I think was retconned, me and Hamford couldn't even remember about hook. All the guy does is fight geeks. It's
2: it's just boring. Yeah. Uh, then we got the House of Black thing, Surrendering the titles. And then it was time for Riho versus Tony Storm. Great to see Riho back in an AW ring. Tony Storm attacks her before she even gets a ring jacket off, but Riho uses her speed to recover and hit a charge in the corner. Soraya's running distraction, of course. Um, that allows Storm to regain control, but Riho hits a roll up into a double stomp on Storm. She gets sent to the apron. Storm hits sweet cheek music to send to the outside, where Soraya hits her with a charging knee whilst the referee's not looking. Storm sends her into the post. Jamie Hayter and Britt Breaker come out to make sure none of this shenanigans keeps going uh, as Storm takes control during the break. When we come back, Riho recovers. Tillwell, head scissors, sends Storm into the ropes, but she blocks that tiger faint kick of Riho's um, and goes for the hip attack, but misses it this time. Riho goes up top, huge cross body to the floor. Um, She hits a double foot stomp off the top with her Northern Lights following it for a nice close two count. Storm goes for an Avalanche Storm Zero, but Riho tries to counter that into a sunset flip. Storm just... Chucks her about by her hair. Hits her with a drop kick, and sweet sheet music for two. It looks like she's probably got the match won and she's trying to send a message to Storm and Hater. Looking at them and she put, she tries to put a clove leaf on Riho. But Riho counters. Roll up. Shocks Tony Storm with a flash pinfall. Post-match, Storm and Baker brawl. Hater and Soraya get into it. And Ruby Soho hits the ring. Clobbers Soraya. And Hater's like, yeah, you're on my side. <laughs> Ruby just clocks her as well and goes, "No, I want the belt," and they all have to be separated by the officials whilst Ruby Soho's theme plays.
4: I like the result. I think Riho beating Tony Stone. She's
1: going to be on telly again, does That's the problem. And I even guess. if she is, I won't believe it, and I can't get excited about it.
4: Yeah, you'd need weeks. Of, you'd need her join up pretty much now with the, the baby faces in this story for that to land. In the but, I like the idea of it if that's the intent. Uh I have to admit, I was kind of disappointed by this. I couldn't, I was really, really looking forward to it because the chemistry felt right, the matchmaking felt good and I don't know if it was just a chemistry problem or there was a couple of times where I felt there was a that one step of hesitation that we sometimes isolate in matches that don't quite grab you in the way they should because they, like some wrestlers, just think for that one second extra and that's all the difference, and there was just quite a bit of that, which is which is why I'm saying it's chemistry stuff, because you just never see that with wrestlers that have maybe worked a bit more together. I just thought these would gel better than they would, and I'm willing to consider, I love both enough that I'm willing to consider this an off night. Didn't think much of the post-match, but I'm I'm higher than most on Ruby Soho refusing to get involved in this. I kind of, it's a little bit Grayson Waller, no-selling all the nonsense in NXT, <laughs> truthfully. But I like when characters do that. If I perceive it to be nonsense, Ruby Soho, to be fair to her, even if she's just a prop on Sunday to get pinned, she's eyes on the prize. And I like that. Although it does reduce the what every other woman is doing to nonsense.
1: Yeah. Just like it's both. Everyone's yeah. eyes should be on everybody's eye should be on the prize. Yeah. I can't praise the Buchan for making that the case with uh, Ruby Soho. I couldn't tell whether, like Hamflet, the execution was just a bit off. Even something like throwing the tiger feint, knowing it's going to get counted, like it looked like an insect flying at her. And I'm not doing the reho thing <laughs> like that. It just looked like there was nothing yeah. behind it. Or if the magic of the reho match is, she is great at building and building and building the comeback because she will throw a four on that doesn't look like it hurts we know that she can't throw a four, forearm. She just has to build this comeback, and you draw on a spirit to get into the fight. And it's the pure pro wrestling magic trick of you can believe something that's scarcely believable because that's the magic of wrestling. And I think Riho really embodies that, where when she brings the fight to Nyla Rose and those early classics that they had, mm. it's like, Jesus, just beating her, and look at the size of her. And look what she wasn't doing at the start of the match. I don't know if there was a chance for the Riho stable match to work with so much just stupid activity on the outside no one could be with her on the comeback that's my uh, generous take probably I just think maybe it wasn't as snug and as impactful as it could have been
2: Mm. still gives me hope for uh, because Riho won here that we get her as a potential challenge to Jade Cargill in the future so I was relieved about that at least
1: yeah Yeah. I I just don't believe they're going to follow through and if they do great but I don't believe they will so I can't get into the idea
2: Mm. well before we move on
1: it's time to play the game! Time to play time to the
2: play game! game. Ha, 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 ha. No one forced it. <laughs> 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 to wrestle. Um, shout out, as always, to Jose Palomares at the whole 11 on Twitter for uh, taking care of all the. Um, oh, Dada! Thanks uh, for this. Um, believe Adam Blair might be back next week but give a shout out to him anyway at Adam Wilton Four, who also uh, looks after this as well Um, my apologies Sid I realized this as I mentioned at the start of the podcast I've forgotten it again so what is before we get to the name of the game what is the sorry what's the aim of the game (laughs) a long day already he wrote ups and downs check him out at whatculture.com well you don't you've listened to
1: the podcast (laughs) 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 do my brain's fried having to do this every week (sighs) The aim of the game, before we get to the name of the game, is to identify correctly to the hour, minute, and second the exact time you hear the first note of the first woman to emerge on Dynamite, her entrance theme, the first time you hear the first note. If we can get it to the hour, minute, and second of the one match, the one match that it only is every single. <laughs> it will really bring into harsh focus. Shine a light on it, if you will. I feel like it has done. Just how <laughs> obligatory apathetic, token, do we bloody have to? The bloody people will go crazy if we don't, so yes, we have to for the sake of optics, women's division, if we can just nail it once, our minute and second, our minute and second, it will just really draw a line under the fact that it is, you know, all of those things. Remember, there's a rhyme. There is a rhyme. Uh, If you want to, if you want to remember this philosophy that AEW has about its approach to women's wrestling, just how not on it is,
2: mm-hmm. there's
1: a little rhyme, and it goes like this: When the women come out to play, don't worry, the main event ain't too far away, and uh, that's the end of the game. And the name of the game is well, this is Lita's name. I'm
4: thinking, <laughs> oh, sage
2: <laughs> uh, a little Sige, romantic there, a bit of a crooner in. A descending a- send- de- order. Descending order. What were the uh, what were the guesses we gave on the AW Dynamite preview? You can still listen to you right now. What cool dress? Ah,
1: Twenty past one. <laughs> what? <laughs> In the bloody casino battle royals next. Don't recap it. Actually, do what you want. Um, Adam Wilborn. No hours. <laughs> Forty two minutes and nineteen seconds. Me. Michael Sidgwick, no hours forty six minutes and two seconds. Michael Hamflet, one hour, five
2: minutes and ten seconds. That's a fun game. <laughs> As again, thank you to Jose Palomares at the Ho Eleven for taking care of this. Three minutes off. Michael Hamflett. Uh, the You win. Great. Tony yeah. Storm theme hit uh, at one minute, one hour even, <laughs> eight minutes and ten seconds. Um so that takes Michael Hamlet into the lead. Four correct guesses so far this year. Three for Michael Sidgwick. Zero for me. You're going for the reverse, sweet man, aren't you? You're going to like... We don't want to get it, so... Who's the real winner, guys? I they haven't try try it. They're going to do oh like yeah, a... sorry. I they're
4: going to do like a Jade Cargill in action graphic one weekend. like, guys, I think she's going to open.
2: It's like, we're on to your mm. Don't piss me off. Uh, also, shout out to Jose for the line, because you've been...
1: Well, can I get him on Twitter?
2: At Ho 11 You love saying that. Um... <laughs> Uh, because you were tied. Uh-huh. He says, call Hanflet the TIE fighter. Very nice. Got a lot of, a lot of respect for that. What's that? Because you were tied and yeah. now you're winning. So you were the TIE fighter. Star Wars. Oh. Oh, yeah. I
4: didn't know what TIE I just...
2: <laughs> Genuinely <laughs> just huh? Um Keatley and uh, Dusk Rhodes backstage. They address the mogul affiliates um, who are, if I get this right, it's Swerve Strickland, Parker Boudreau and... Is it trench? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And um, quick question: Have you ever had any uh, petit, petit pois? Ah, I had peas
4: before. Thanks. Um, Hang on. Trench knows French.
2: <laughs> we'll talk about it in the preview tomorrow. I'm not really anything you want to say about this. He said they they don't like playing games. They're naturally limitless. That's their new name. It's a live show at the Cow
1: Palace, and the only announced match for it is got Parker Boudreau in it.
2: Not Keith. good booking.
1: Keith Lee's still got Breeze Block on his head.
2: It's the Casino Tag Team Battle Royale next. Um, we saw Dark Order, John Silver and Alex Riddles make out of the way. Uh, and they got uh, jumped by Claudio and um, Mr. Grumpy um, before the commercial to take us to a break when we come back. I, I hate the
4: Blackpool Combat Club, lads. Absolute losers. I hate them. Complete bitchy little geeks. I'm
1: tired now. It's going to be a long one,
2: This Taz, uh... Taz, I, I agree. Taz said, uh, a new team enters every 60 seconds. So that was a fucking lie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wasn't that like a five-minute gap?
4: Yeah, there the was capital. a
2: bit where I was like, was the timer broken? What's going on? Eric
4: <laughs> Bischoff could have brought three-minute warning out twice between one of them.
2: So... Kicked Willie Uter in another dimension. <laughs> <laughs> it was Silver Reynolds and Uter and Castagnoli to start us off, then Roosh I and really Pretty wish he's that much of a bloody winger isn't it? <laughs> Russian and oh Preston, I love Vance. them doing
4: that double team. Ho him like, oh, up in
2: the and drop. Man. <laughs> and Vance came out as the third team. Lucha Bros got a great reaction as the fourth team. They Again. went wild.
4: Second week in a row,
2: got outnumbered. Push him Aussie Open came out fifth, uh, and they Their music. By the way, I'm sorry.
1: Aussie, 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 oi, oi, Jun, 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 jun. <laughs> It's like the most. Right, okay. It's Australian and it's wrestling.
2: Right, okay. Butt rock and Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. Smashed it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They uh, <laughs> took out Phoenix with an assisted pump kick. Uh, Reynolds and Silva tried to get rid of the Blackpool Combat Club, but Aussie Open cut them off. Um, and then Blackpool Combat Club got rid of Reynolds and Silva. During the break, out came Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Ange. Uh, then we come back. And then here comes Top Flight using their speed, despite how busy the ring was. Uh, Daddy Magic gets eliminated. I don't know where Cool Hand Ange is right now. But out come the Kingdom. They go after Top Flight... Ring of Honor stuff. Uh, Aussie Open wipes out the kingdom with half and half suplexes. Then Tony Neese and his tiny niece and Aria Daivari and Josh Woods and Mark Sterling attack the Lucha Bros on the outside. Chuck them back in for them to immediately be dumped out by uh, Roosh and Vance, who then got eliminated by Top Flight as Roosh was stupidly setting up to do a move while stood on the apron. Uh, Top Flight gets eliminated um, and here comes uh, Orange Cassidy and Danhausen. I think that was the big gap there. Yeah. That I just described. <laughs> um, Danhausen discovers Angelo Parker's been hiding under the ring, um, tries to eliminate Danhausen, uh, but gets chucked outside by Cassidy. Then come the butcher and the blade. Scalaber talking about how dangerous the butcher is in these sort of situations. Maria Canalis gets pulled up onto the op- Apron by Aussie Open uh, and uh, the Kingdom accidentally super kick her to the floor and then get eliminated alongside uh, Aussie Open. So our final three teams are the Blackpool Combat Club, Orange Cassidy and Danhausen, the Butcher and the Blade. Um Silver and Reynolds come back to distract uh, Castagnoli and Utah who get dumped out by Orange Cassidy and Danhausen. Butcher and Blake murder Danhausen who rolls out to the floor. Uh, Castie's holding on for dear life, and Danhausen sneaks back in and dumps out Butcher and the Blade. Post match, here comes Triple J and the Guns uh, to lay out uh, Cassidy and Danhausen. I think it was Castley who got hit with a stroke again. He mm-hmm. um, claimed hit the ring to make the save, and the Guns bail. Oh my God! Um, hot take: I don't think this match
1: would have felt anywhere near as long. I don't even think it went that long. It just felt long because. The AW roster is far too big. A lot of these teams are not involved in storylines that I care about. They're not on character arcs that I care about. A lot of them lose frequently. The fact that they aren't the young bucks for FTR is a big, big problem. And ultimately it just felt like moderately good action with a bunch of teams that I just don't give a toss about anymore because they're just not in the mix. And it, Dragged and dragged and dragged as a result. And look, this four way revolution will be one of the best house show matches I've ever seen, but it's not good enough for a pay per view. And I hate how meta and lightweight, and uh, it's a sense of smokiness and fun and irreverence that just does not belong in a title program. Uh, oh, Jeff Ar- uh, Jeff Jarrett, Mike Politicum's weighing into gold, or oh, you know, um, the guns—they're in there too long. The work rate guy. The work rate might not be so good, so you want Orange Castle, or the Jay Lethal to come in, and it's little sort of
2: meta-wanky stuff.
1: <laughs> you
2: yeah. ruined it for me. Ever since you said Sting and Dobby Allen, I'll be like, don't worry, Sting yeah, yeah, and Dobby Allen. I'm yeah. like, oh, they're not there.
4: I, I just kind of like mourned the state of this division while watching it. Like, here are all these tag teams showing me that there are no tag teams. It's like the Butcher and the Blade, that I like, hate tag teams, followed by the John Travolta Pulp Fiction gif of them looking around. Where where are the ones that I'm supposed to actually be invested in? Just because just because the rest is the rest in front of me,
2: it doesn't
1: mean... And they're all very good, yeah. mostly. I love Don't. Matt Taven.
2: I've done really not a lot about him. AEW's sort of reintroduced me to him. And I was, he's like, here he is. And I was like, there's no point backing him. There's no chance they're winning yeah.
4: this. The um the usual Dynamite Rampage, obvious winner, obvious loser thing. Two weeks in a row, we've pretty much had the collection of the obvious losers. I do not like this. I, I know that it last year when it had more of a narrative point, you had to put the books and Fish and O'Reilly in with... Mm-hmm. Uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, was that the third team? Yeah, yeah. The I, I, yeah. <laughs> like, they were the champions Oh, we've got to get them both in because we're doing that angle that we're ultimately going to flush away like, that was what the reason for it like, there just wasn't a really obvious one, they claimed they wanted a rematch and it's like, we'll even go into a four-way
1: The reason is, they don't want the guns to work a tag team match on pay-per-view because it's going to be crap in a, in a normal match, so just don't strap them up, what a waste of time F- meta, lightweight irreverent stupidity, this
2: Sick to my back teeth of this tag team division, but thankfully, what came next was a, an excellent ending to the show because we got a brilliant video package highlighting the uh, Iron Man match for the world title on Sunday between Brian Danielson and MJF, with the likes of Excalibur Dean Malenko and Jim Ross on there uh, hyping it all up. And we go to a break. Come back, Brian Danielson's there in the ring with Renee. Um, she talks about a post that uh, MJF made in 2014 when he was dropping out of college to pursue his dream to be a wrestler. And Brian's like, yeah, I don't care. Um, about seven years ago, I was forced to retire. And two years later, I came back and said, if you fight for your dreams, your dreams will fight for you. And I got all, all jazzed up by this. The, the time to play MJS music on that line was inspired. Yes, here comes MJF, and uh, Brian doesn't even give him a second. Shut up, you, he says. I've been listening to weeks about you hating me. You hate me because I've got this wonderful wife and kids, and you think you deserve that. You haven't done anything to earn any of these things or fight for them. You've taken every shortcut. You've cheated just so you can become champion. You haven't fought for it. If there's one thing you deserve, it's your fiancé leaving you. And this fires up MJF. He throws off his jacket, goes to get in the ring, and Brian's like, don't. Don't step to me, idiot. He says, what was it you were saying? Pinning shoulders to mats and banging rats? Is that what you do? I don't want my daughter marrying someone like that. Unlike you, I've been fighting my whole goddamn life. I fought through injuries. I fought through retirement. He fought through the authority. I fought through everything, basically, uh, and for everything. He says... Before I came here, I basically had a job that was going to pay me for the rest of my life. But I, I came to AEW because I wanted to fight. And when I talk about fighting for my dream, my new dream is to become AEW world champion. And I'm willing to fight for it. He says, this Sunday, MJF, you better be ready to fight for everything you have. Because if not, you're going to get your fucking head kicked in. Yeah,
1: I almost ripped it off.
2: Almost <laughs> ripped it off.
1: This is absolutely <laughs> majestic. This is absolutely fantastic. I always, I told you all it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. I'll tell you one thing, though. As much as I told you it was going to happen, it was going to reach this personal issues, draw money crescendo right before the fucking pay-per-view when you need to buy it because you need to see it. Because it happens every goddamn four months, three months, actually. Get with the program. In about three weeks' time from now, MJF's going to banter someone off with some light-hearted patter and people are going to go,
2: <laughs> 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 It's not going to get it.
1: Um... As much as I knew it was going to happen, I never knew how much I was going to believe it from Danielson. I (laughs) believed it here. like A really long last, last minute, Hail Mary, because, look, this is in the best of faith, because Danielson's on my Rushmore, and Twitter's a bubble, and we don't really talk enough about how it's, you know, a bubble, and it doesn't really mean that much. We don't talk enough about that.
4: Pass it on. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But I do think, and it's not just Danielson, I think other wrestlers can be a little bit casual or careless in the social media, 24-7 media age. Danielson has told me time and time again that he just wants to work certain people because he likes their wrestling and that he just doesn't have an ambitious bone in his body and that at some point is going to collide with the TV character that you play because the lines are very blurred and how much I'm expected to believe it. And I think Danielson is so casual and carefree about it that he's kind of... When he's been asked to be in a program of this magnitude that he's kind of stepped on his own dick <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and it's just as well that this promo and every single word in it was note perfect mm. because he made me believe um everything he says like he came across as the most admirable guy he justified why yeah i know i say on in real life that i don't really care I actually do, and this is why. It's like, right, I believe you, because this promo's brilliant, and you're putting yourself over as the best guy and the most hard-working guy um, who can just destroy adversity with a Bessai You're just great at this. It was just as well this was a six-and-a-quarter-star go-home promo from a baby face because, oh, my God, it needed to be. Mm. One more thing. MJF looked like the walls were closing in, and I thought his reactions were very, very good here as well. I'm not going to bite on the big finish at the end, but I tell you what, a lot of people were like, Danielson's got to win it now. Mm. But that might be more bubble talk.
4: I, uh, this While this wasn't a great sales pitch for a shock title change, it was a great sell from MJF yeah. that he felt like he made this feel real. If, if those two things can coexist, I don't know. Um, I Brian was just exceptional here. I'm a fan of this format, by the way. This, um, I know Moxley kind of fluffed his lines a bit the last time they did this, but I think I quite like this. It's the last dynamite. Make this a thing. It's the last dynamite. It's the MMA slash boxing head to head between the two title contenders. If the title singles title match is always going to be your main event, Tony Khan truly really believes that singles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. If that's always going to be Tony Khan's main event, then make it feel like that on your last Dynamite as well. As go home as go home gets, mm-hmm. and you save your best barbs for last. And Brian certainly did here. I also um, thought about the fact that MJF will probably have white and gold gear, akin to what Shawn Michaels, Brian Dernerson's trainer wore in the Iron Man match at WrestleMania twelve.
2: Oh my god.
4: Because he tends to go for that. Or alternatively, he goes for pink and black to next CM Punk and be the Bret Hart. Because I think it's going to be a draw. I think MJF retains by draw. I don't even think he wins. And Bret did overtime because he was ultimately honourable.
2: And MJF does not. And so he could go like he could pick that gear, which I think would <sighs> be quite nice too. Well let us know your thoughts on AEW Dynamite on Twitter at WhatCultureWW watch well, they can follow all three of us you can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit follow Michael Sidgwick at um, Sidgwick follow me at Adam Wilborn follow us all at WhatCultureWW as I said make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts including of course our AEW Rampage preview with myself and Michael Sidgwick tomorrow and all the build up towards AEW revolution uh, but for now this has been the AEW Dynamite review my thanks to Dadly Boys, thank you for joining us and we will see you soon.